Hello everyone and welcome back to the Scouting God Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to try to read all the merit badge books that Scouting has to offer. In this episode, we're going to be reading The Legend of the Mogollon Monster, Arizona Bigfoot by Douglas Coleman. Now, let's begin. Part 1, The Legend Begins. They call it the Valley of the Double Creeks, or the place where the two creeks meet. It was a perfect place to hunt big game, surrounded on three sides by the cliffs of the majestic Mogollon Rim with two creeks flowing down from the rim and meeting in the center of the valley. The basin was an ideal place to live. Elk, deer, javelina, wild turkey, rabbits, and squirrels were found in abundance, as they would come into the valley to drink water from the creeks. They were easy prey, finding it difficult to escape the rim. The valley of the Double Creeks was inhabited by the descendants of the Anasazi, who had lived there centuries before. No one knew exactly how long this tribe had been in the valley or where they had came from, but living in the Valley of Abundance, with roots that deep and traditions that powerful, they were a very prosperous people. The people were more than happy to follow their mighty chief, Ashela. Ashela was a strong man and a mighty warrior. In his youth, Ashela knew that it would be one day his privilege as the chief to choose any maiden of the tribe to be his wife and companion. When the time came, the choice was easy. He chose Morning Dove, for Morning Dove was not only beautiful on the outside, with her jet black hair and her fair skin, but she was also beautiful of heart. Trained in the knowledge and traditions of her people, she was often discovered performing a small acts of kindness for the other members of the tribe. Morning Dove would never admit such a thing, however, believing that the great spirits would reward her more if only she and the spirits themselves knew of her selfless deeds. Ashela was a wise leader and just a man. When confronted with a problem, he would always consult with his good friend and advisor, Kwana. Kwana was the medicine man of the tribe, and as such, was the spiritual leader of the people. They loved and revered him as a holy man, for they knew that he was in tune with the great spirits. It was early in the spring when it happened. A tribe moved into the south end of the valley, about an hour's ride from Ashela's village. Not knowing of Ashela and his people, their warriors soon began to hunt in the valley of the Double Creeks. Eventually, small skirmishes broke out whenever the warriors of the two tribes would come in contact with another. One of the skirmishes escalated into an all-out battle, pitting Ashela and his band of young warriors against the intruders. Both sides fought fiercely, and many warriors on both sides suffered severe injuries. Tutsio, one of Ashela's strongest warriors, went to the mighty chief and said, Ashela, mighty chief. Let me make a band of our strongest warriors and drive these thieves from our valley. This is our land. We are its caretakers. The great spirits have entrusted it to us. We inherited this valley from our fathers. It is our right and our privilege, yes, even our duty, to pass it on to our children as an inheritance. Let us drive those away who would steal this valley from us and our children, or send them to the great spirits that their souls may be judged. Ashela listened intently. He understood Tutsio's concerns, but he did not want to spill the blood of any man, if it could be avoided. Ashela consulted Kwana, the medicine man, and then called for a tribal council to be held that evening. At dusk, Ashela, Kwana, and all the other tribal men, elders entered the large ceremonial teepee located in the corner of the village. This teepee would easily hold 50 men, and it was completely full on this occasion. Ashela explained the circumstances under which why they met, and expressed Tutsio's desire to the council. He then called upon Kwana to approach the great spirits to guide them as they determined a future path for their people. 
Kwana took out a small pouch and threw a portion of dried herbs on the council fire, waving his hands in a circular motion in front of him. Bringing the smoke from the burning herbs to his face, he inhaled them deeply. Ashelo and the others did likewise. Every man was given the opportunity to speak. Their opinions were mar- very, many and varied. Ashelia listened for the final decision would be his, although he wanted, and quite frankly needed, the blessing of the elders as he made his decision. He knew the elders possessed the wisdom and knowledge of their forefathers. They would all agree, if possible, to stand together before Ashela would choose a path for their people. The meeting lasted well into the night. In fact, just as the sunrise broke over the eastern side of the rim, Ashela, Kwana, and the tribal elders exceeded the large teepee. There, they were met by Tutsio and a small band of warriors, eagerly awaiting the announcement of the tribal council decision. Ashela announced that they would send messengers to the other village to invite them to a great powwow to see if a peaceful solution could be reached to under, undeclare war. Upon hearing that a peaceful solution would be sought, Tutsio became irate. No, this cannot be, cried Tutsio. This is our valley. The great spirits entrusted it to us. We are its caretakers. We inherit it from our fathers, and it is our duty to pass on to our children. Let me make take a band of our strongest warriors. We'll drive out these thieves from our valley. Looking Tutsio in the eyes, Ashela spoke. This is the path that has been chosen. It is the will of our tribal elders, and it is my will. There will be no more discussion here. With that, Ashela and the elders left to make preparations for a team of tribal messengers to visit and take an invitation to the other tribe. After a few moments raising his spear high above his head, Tutsio let out a mighty war cry. Then he broke his spear across his knee in anger. He threw the pieces of broken spear into the entrance of the teepee in disgust and walked away. Messengers were sent to the other tribe, inviting them to join Ashela and his people in a great powwow to see if they could find some resolution to the animosity that existed between their peoples. Grey Eagle, the chief of the other tribe, gladly accepted. Being a just man, he too did not want to see the blood of any man spilled, if it could be avoided. The day following, the first new moon was chosen. Great Eagle and his people would join Ashela and his people in Ashela's village. This is this agreement to meet each other and and of itself was a sign of trust from Great Eagle and his people. For days prior to the new moon, Ashela and his people made ready. They prepared a feast for the area boundary of elk, deer, rabbit, turkey, and squirrel, as well as the berries they grew so abundantly along the creek. They prepared skins for the people to sit upon for never had the tribe had this many visitors at one time. Finally, after much anticipation and labor, the day of the powwow came. Great Eagle and his people were not met with the open arms. The children played together, not knowing of the seriousness of the meeting that would be held that night. The women from both tribes made ready for the great feast. Kwana was called upon to express gratitude to the great spirits for the bounty they were about to receive. The women served the men first, then their children and themselves. Eating separately away from the men was their custom. That evening at dusk, Ashela, Kwana, and the elders of the tribe, along with Great Eagle and his elders, entered the large council teepee. The teepee had been expanded for this occasion. After expressing the purpose of their joint council, Ashela expressed his desire to reach a peaceful settlement. 
but also the rights of the people would be protected. He then turned to Grey Eagle and nodded, giving his guest the opportunity to speak. Grey Eagle told him about his people, their beliefs and customs, and their nomadic lifestyle. Wandering from the place to place in search of food and water, Ashayla told his of his people and how his forefathers had come to settle many centuries before in this wonderful valley. They've talked about the skirmishes, the battle, the wounded, and as the tempers began to rise, Kwana arose and spoke. He said that he did not believe relying a battle that he was sort of out of ignorance would be of benefit to their peoples, and he did not believe that the great spirits would want them to begin the fight anew. The elders from both tribes nodded their heads in agreement. Kwana said that the great spirits, for whatever reason, had put the tribes together and that it was their duty as tribal leaders to focus on the future and the pathway that should be chosen for the long-term benefits of both tribes. With that, the leaders allowed all presents to speak in truth until the fire had burned out. The next morning, Ashela and Grey Eagle stepped forth from the teepee together, side by side. All of the people of both tribes have assembled anxiously, waiting of the decision they knew had to be made. Ashela spoke. We have spoken to Grey Eagle and his elders, and they have spoken to us. We have made an oath of blood, and it has been decided that we will both live here together in the Valley of the Double Creeks, in peace, that our children may prosper here together, and that our children may marry. We believe that this is the common destiny of our two tribes. With this announcement, the people of both tribes let out a mighty cheer, for they knew that this decision was good and right. Everyone cheered. That is expected for Tutsio and a small band of warriors who sat near him. Ashea looked at Tutsio. He could see fire in the eyes of the young warrior. Days passed. One morning found Ashea and many of the tribal elders loading up their horses with blankets, hides, and food. Tutsio, seeing this, went to Ashea and asked, What is this? Ashea answered, This will be a peace offering to our friend Grey Eagle and his people that they might know of our sincerity with regard to the alliance that has formed between our two tribes. Upon hearing this, Tetsuo began to yell. No, this cannot be. He said. This is our land. The great spirits gave it to our forefathers, and they passed it on to us. We must protect it and convey it to our children as an inheritance. Again, I beg you, Ashela, let me take a band of our strongest warriors and drive these thieves from our valley. All of a sudden, Ashela raised his open hand up, his arms to a square, and said in a tone that suggested weeks of anger and aggression, Enough! Tetsuo ceased to speak. He knew that to continue could mean his death. For a man who spoke to the chief in his manner, Ashela said, The pathway of peace is the pathway chosen. With that, Ashela and the tribal elders mounted their horses and disappeared with their gifts over the horizon to the south. Grey Eagle and his people met their new brothers with open arms. Ashela and the elders were given the finest furs and hides to sit upon. They were fed the finest food that Grey Eagle's people had to offer. The exchange of gifts was heartfelt and welcome, token of peace. As the night fell, Grey Eagle and his elders, along with Ashela and his elders, entered Grey Eagle's large private teepee. They were to smoke the peace pipe in recognition of all the confederation that had been formed between their two tribes. All sat cross-legged, with Great Eagle on Ashela's left-hand side, facing the opening of the teepee. Ashela was given the pipe first. He took a puff and passed it to the elder on his right. 
Each other, in turn, would draw a puff of smoke from the pipe. Soon, the pipe made its way completely around the circle until it reached Gray Eagle. Gray Eagle pressed the pipes to its lips. In that instant, an arrow zipped through the teepee opening, striking Gray Eagle in the right shoulder. Sinking forward, Gray Eagle dropped the pipe on the ground in front of him and grabbed the hold of the arrow's shaft. Ashela, looking at the arrow, could tell by the markings on the shaft and the fletchings that it was an arrow from his own tribe. Running through the teepee's opening, Ashela was immediately attacked by one of the warriors from Gray Eagle's tribe. Fighting fiercely, Ashela was able to strike the warrior in the neck, knocking him to the ground and freeing himself for just a moment. Looking around the village, Ashela saw that the once peaceful village was now in utter chaos, the women crying as they tried to gather their children, the men scrambling for their weapons. In a moment, Ashela again was attacked from behind. He struggled again, exerting all of his strength, he was able to free himself once again. He turned and fiercely attacked her. Now, he stood in disbelief, for this time he was being attacked by a warrior from his own tribe. Realizing that he was endangering the lives of others, he fought his way to the tree line at the end of the hill. He scrambled up the knoll about a stone throw, and then, ducking behind a tree, he turned back to see what was happening. There, he sat and watched helplessly as Churchill and a small band of rebel warriors killed every man, woman, and child in Great Eagle's tribe. The ruthless slaughter was horrifying. Even the elders from his own tribe were not sparred by Tutsio and his men. It was the execution and extinction of an entire people. The creek ran red with blood. Ashela slowly made his way up to the hill, and as his screams and cries from the village below began to die, he realized that his life had miraculously begun spurred. He spent a sleepless nights in deep in the forest. His mind raced back to a peaceful time, before the arrival of Grey Eagle's people to the valley. He remembered the night of the great powwow, and the alliance had been made between the two tribes. He thought about how proud his heart felt as he stepped forward from the teepee with his fellow chief, Grey Eagle, by the side and announced the pathway of peace that he had agreed upon. He thought about Tutsio and his treachery, and he remembered in honor the scene he witnessed of the slaughter of Grey Eagle and his entire tribe. He alone remained alive as witness of the terrible scenes. As the sun began to rise over him, Ashela realized that he was now high upon a hill, overlooking his own village. Some Sometime during the day, Ashela drifted off to sleep, only to be awakened by a great coming in his village. It was Tutsio and his band of rebel warriors calling all of the tribe together for a great council. It was then that Tutsio laid claim to believe the chief of his tribe. The, this allowed Tutsio to take all of Ashela's possessions as his own, including the beautiful morning dove. Tutsio and Kwana, the medicine man, brought before him. In his heart, Tutsio wanted Kwana dead, but he knew he dare not kill him, for a kill to uh, kill a medicine man would surely bring down the wrath of the great spirits upon him and his people. Ashela watched as Tutsio sent Kwana to exile, to live his life alone in the forest, away from the people who loved him so. So Ashela watched Kwana mount his horse and ride out to the village, he formulated a plan in his mind. He would find his old friend. He would ask the medicine man to approach the great spirits and petition them on his behalf. He would ask Kwana to have the great spirits send their blessings upon him 
that the great spirit would make him a shela strong, and to make him fast, and to make him fierce, that he might avenge the blood of great eagle and his people, that he might defeat the murdered Tutsio and once again lead the tribes as their chief. Days passed, the days turned into weeks, and the weeks into months. Ashela continued to search for his dear friend, but Kwana was nowhere to be found. Ashela returned many times to the location of Great Eagle's village. He saw how Tutsio and his men had cleaned up the aftermath, piling the bodies into massive heaps and burning them, as well as what remained of their homes and meager possessions. He did not know if Tutsio realized that he has escaped with his life, but he supposed as much. For Tutsio rebel warriors were always on patrol, something that had never been done when he was chief. One evening, Ashela attacked a deer high up the rim. As he crested a small knoll, he spotted a small fire. Could this be the old friend at last? Cautiously, he approached until he saw the breastplate of leather and feathers, signifying that the medicine man calling from the great spirits, Kwana sat by the fire, stirring its embers. As Ashela called to his friend, Kwana began to weep. As he was so glad to see him that his old friend was alive again. It was a glorious re reunion. Ashela told Kwana of Tortillo and the slaughter of Great Eagle and his people. Kwana wished it wasn't true, but the great spirits told him it, in his heart it was. They realized how that this left Tortillo without rivals as the elders of the tribe all began massacred as well. As they started into the flames of the fire, Ashela decided it, that it was time to ask of his old friend's help. Standing, he said, Kwana, my old friend, I ask you to approach the great spirits. Ask them to make me strong, and to make me fast, and to make me fierce, that I might avenge the blood of Great Eagle, his people, and the elders of our tribe, that I might once again lead our people as their chief. Kwana said nothing, but began to stir the embers of the fire with a small stick. Ashela, looking puzzled at his friend, decided to ask again. Kwana, great medicine man, I ask you to approach the great spirits. Ask them to make me strong, and to make me fast, to make me fierce. Ask them to make me the mightiest warrior ever to live in this valley, that the people might know that I have power and authority. Kwana did not even look up. He continued to stir the coals of the fire. He was thinking, obviously pondering this request. Finally, he looked up to his old friend's eyes, as, and as he continued to stir the coals, he said, Ashila, my friend, I cannot do that which you ask until you have rid your heart of all hatred and anger. You must purify your heart and lose your lust for revenge. Ashila could not believe what he was hearing. Did Kwana not understand what Tutu had done? Feeling his heart, feeling with even more rage, he turned and left his old friend. Months pass, and Kwana and Ashela would meet often. Every time they meet, Ashela would make the same request. Kwana, great medicine man, approach the great spirits, ask them to make me strong, and then to make me fast, and to make me fierce, that I might revenge the blood of Great Eagle. And every time he would ask, Kwana would make response with the same answer. My friend, I cannot do what you ask, for you must rid your heart of all anger and hatred. You must lose your thirst for revenge. This would only have the effect of making Ashela even angrier, and each time he would dis have disguise with his old friend. After one such meeting, Ashela began to consider a new course of action. He would approach the great spirits himself. 
he would ask them to make him strong and to make him fast and to make him fierce, that he might put Tuchio to death and once again regain the leadership of the tribe. High up on the Mogan Rim, there were two great stone pillars, between which is a cave where it is believed that the great spirits dwell. Making his way to the cave, Ashalin removed the moccasins from his feet, for he knew that he was standing on holy ground. He left his moccasins and entered the cave. He walked into the cavern several hundred steps. Looking behind him, he could no longer see the light at the entrance. Looking forward, he found that it was in his utter darkness. The cave was so dark and the abundance of light so complete that he could hold his hands only inches from his face and he could not see it. Feeling that this was the right place, Ashela raised both fists into the air and looking up, he said aloud, O oh, great spirits, it is I, Ashela, your chief. As he ceased to speak, he noticed a blushed mist rising from the floor, falling from the ceiling, and entering from the walls of the cave, until the eerie cave was illuminated with blue light. Ashela then heard a voice, a powerful voice. Whether it was a voice inside of his own head, or an actual voice, he could not tell. The voice asked him very plainly, What is it that you seek? Ashela continued, O oh, great spirits, I seek revenge. I ask you to make me strong, and to make me fast, and to make me fierce, that I might avenge the blood of Great Eagle and his people, that I, make, that I might make Tutsio pay for his treachery, that I might avenge the blood of our elders, that I might be the greatest warrior ever to inhabit the valley of the Double Creeks. There was silence for what seemed like hours. Then he commanding voice continued saying, This was what you asked, once granted, can never, ever be undone. Ashela answered, I understand. With that, the blue light began to encircle Ashela until he was completely engulfed by the light. Then he fell to the ground, unconscious. When Ashela woke up, he felt the sunlight directly on his face. He found himself no longer in the cave, but at its entrance. He had no idea how long he had slept, whether it had been hours, days, or even weeks. He found his moccasins where he had left them, and put them on his feet once again. He left no change, no difference, no confirmation that anything had happened. Over the next several months, however, Ashela discovered that his skills and abilities were gradually increasing. He no longer needed his bow and arrows to hunt game, for he could easily outrun deer or elk. He was the fastest creature in the forest. He could smell the scent of any creature hundreds of yards away. He could see in the dark... He felt that he had the strength of a dozen warriors, and he could easily leap up with the, over the creeks and their widest points. He craved red meat. So taken was Ashela with his newfound abilities, and so gradual were the changes that he had not even noticed the physical changes that had come over him. He thought of himself and saw himself the way he had always had, until one day, one day, as Ashela kneeled over the creek to take a drink, he saw his reflection in the water. He was shocked to discover that his physical appearance had completely changed. He was covered from head to toe with a thick fur-like hair. His spine was curved. He no longer had hands, but huge claws, larger than a bear's. His teeth were huge, white, and sharp. His eyes glowed red. Looking up and scanning the forest to see if anyone else was present, he saw Quana mounted on his horse across the creek and off in the distance. With only a few steps, Ashela shoot red eye to eye with his old friend. What is this you have done? He said. I am not a mighty warrior, but an ugly beast. Quana responded. 
It is not what I have done this to you, my friend, but it is the great spirits. Did I not warn you that you must rid your heart of all hatred and anger and your lust for revenge before you approach them? They have done what your heart told them to do. Achilla is angrier now and feeling like he had been tricked, stuck his old friend with the back of his paw, sending him flying off of his horse. Then he bounded off into the darkness of the forest, taking some time to gather himself. Quano rose to his feet, rubbing his chin to make sure it wasn't broken, and looking at where his old friend had disappeared, he said, The Medusa is angry. Months passed, and the people of Tertio's tribe found that they had gone so deep and deeper into the forest, and even on top of the rim, find game. No one knew for sure why the game was disappearing and moving from the valley, but the hunting parties would often find remains lying in the woods. There were not bones of deer and elk, that had been lying in place for some time, but almost every time there were fresh remains. The animal had been completely devoured, including their organs and gore. The warriors would often wonder what have the power to do such things. Certainly no large or cat or bear or anything else they could think of would have left the bones with absolutely no flesh or meat left behind for the scavengers to devour. It was, however, a mystery that would be solved soon enough. One late afternoon, just before dusk, found a Shayla in the Magusa, the creatures high above the village. He sat and watched as the people began the task of building their cooking fires. He thought hard and tried to remember, but he scarcely could anymore. A time where he was human and more human, or more humane. He, as he watched the village in silence, he began to come back to him. He remembered the great times he had as the chief and leader of the people, when he was well-liked and well-respected. He thought back to the great powwow with Great Eagle and his people, and the alliance that had been formed between their two tribes. He now remembered that night when Tertio and his warriors had committed to their atrocities, killing everyone, even the women and children of Great Eagle's tribe. Looking down into the village, he saw the people laughing as they went about their evening chores. They seemed to have fully recovered, how he wished that he could return to his former self. The words of the great spirits en encroached on his mind. That which you ask, once it granted, can never, ever be undone. As he pondered these things, he spotted Tutsio down in the village. He watched as Tutsio took Morning Dove by the hand and entered what had once been his own teepee. His eyes began to glow red, like the embers of a fire. Then, something in the creature just snapped letting out a mighty roar and as he bounded down the hill. Women began crying and yelling for their children. The men, both young and old, darted for their weapons, but it meant nothing. With a little flicks of his mighty arms, he sent the warriors flying across the ground. They looked like the little clutch claws that the women made for, would make for the children as they flew. Months and months of frustration were being released. Standing before Tutsio's teepee, he ripped the entire side open with one swipe of his rapier sharp claws. There stood Tutsio with the spear in one hand and his tomahawk in the other, but it made no difference. The Magusa shredded his flesh with one downward swipe, and Tutsio fell dead. As the Shayla watched the blood and gore ooze from Tutsio's body, he looked over at Morning Dove, hovering in a corner of the teepee. And then, just for a moment, that creature almost became human. His eyes quit growing, glowing red, the muscles in his neck and back relaxed. His mouth closed around his large, sharp teeth. The fur on his entire body laid f down flat, 
and with compassion on his face, he reached down with one arm and ever so gently picked up the terrified mourning dove and bounded up the trail to the rim. Reaching the upper meadow and fleeing, that mourning dove's body was limp and cold. He stopped and lay her down. One then, only then did he realize that his blood mourning dove was dead. She was literally dead of fright. Looking heavenward and letting out a horrendous roar, the anger returned. His hair stood up on edge. He bared his huge white teeth. The muscles in his back and neck tightened. His eyes began to glow red. He scooped up Morning Doe's body and flung her over his shoulder as he made his way further up the rim. No one knows what monster did with Morning Dove's remains. It was rumored that he placed them somewhere hidden in the valley of the Double Creeks and that he vowed he would remain to protect them. Realizing that they could not remain in the valley with a such creature on the loose, the tribe picked up and, for the first time in centuries, they moved their village. No one knows where they went. But it is true that there are many Native American people in Arizona today who would tell the story of the monster of the Mogollon Rim. Thank you guys for listening to part one of the Legend of the Mogollon Monster story. If you are interested, um, come back next week and hear part two.